Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is uh, Father John, who started taking German last week. Thanks really? to Bet with his friend Joe. Fun. All I know is Zee Gates. How's that going? Means, how's it going? Good. Bitter. Uh, that's about all I got. But uh, we're actually going to be talking about Russia today, not Germany. Oh, really? But uh, Joe... Well, here, here we should introduce ourselves. This is Joe, Father John. We're in the basement, which is uh, very messy right now. The, yeah, it's the kind of a disaster. Is a disaster. Uh, but, but that's okay. And this uh, podcast will probably be a disaster. It's all right. Are you sick? Your voice sounds raspier. It yeah. didn't sound raspy when we were talking, but now it sounds raspy. No, it is. It's the low podcast voice. Oh. I have to kind of... The radio voice. The radio voice. No, I, uh, yeah, lost my voice. Just partying too hard at a Notre Dame wedding last weekend. <laughs> Not I surprised. I don't know what I was singing, but at a certain point, it actually went out. My voice left. It was gone during Mass on uh, the 5 p.m. on uh, Saturday night. I literally didn't think I could finish the Mass. It was crazy. Words of consecration, I couldn't say them. Wow. Maybe that's a sign. Yeah. Where'd you get that in your seminary training? <laughs> oh, they never right. talked about that one. Man, the Pinnix must have thrown a pretty rocking wedding. You're losing your voice. The wedding I was at at Notre Dame, seven-hour wedding uh, reception. Wow. Six of that was about dancing. And some of the people who listen to this podcast, my friend Luke, Rachel, you know Luke and Rachel, mm-hmm. the best man and maid of honor, if they're listening, this is a little shout out for them. They were getting crazy on the dance floor, as was the rest of Ray, Colorado, which is a small town in the Eastern <laughs> Plains that was present. They all road tripped out for the wedding. That's so it was pretty good. fun. It was a good time. So we're we talking about weddings or Russian weddings or what? Uh, nothing. We're talking about Pustinia. 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 Now, Joe... I know nothing about this. Joe, there are many uh, secrets that we have for how to impress people with our fake knowledge of the spiritual life. Secret knowledge. Secret gnosis. But one of the ways that I do it is by telling people when I want to kind of brag. It's like, yeah, I have a friend, and she's a hermit. Yeah. I brag about my hermit friend. She's actually a hermitess, and her name is Lucille Dupuis. Lucille. And she's probably about 80. I've never met her, but I've heard about I've her. Never met the famous Lucille. She lives this is a real person. She lives up outside of Estes Park, Colorado, where the fires are burning. Not far. Oh, that's from, right. You know, she's about thirty miles from her house. But um, she has been in prayer and fasting, according to the Russian style that they call Pustinia, hmm. for the last uh, thirty, forty years. Really? Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Her whole life is intercessory prayer. What was what was she doing before? Was she like married or something? Before that, she was a part of, I'll tell her story. She's part of the Madonna House, and she was doing all kinds of work. Did you say Madonna House? Madonna House oh. in Cumbermere, uh, Ontario. You don't know about that? Uh, I've heard of it. Okay, because you're about to learn about it. I know How it has to do with women, pregnant women? No, no, no. That's that's uh, Gabriel that's Project or something. Project Rachel. Pro- right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> clearly I don't know. I have no secret knowledge. No, that's okay. We should never do podcasts in the afternoon. We're just so out of it. We should be drinking coffee. Coffee, Joe. That's what's missing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, this is what we're like when we're not drinking. I put Make too much guacamole yeah, in your too much guac uh, in the burrito. Okay, back to Pustinia. So um, Lucille Dupuy is a hermitess who lives up outside of Estes Park in the middle of nowhere, and she has two... Little cabins, hermitages, which are called Pustinias. Huh. And they're really cool looking. They're built on the Russian style of uh, Pustinia. And there's a whole practice and tradition that comes out of uh, medieval Russia. Pustinia is the Russian word for desert or wilderness. So the idea of Pustinia as a spirituality means that you're going 
into this kind of deserted place. Ah, I always thought Pustinia was like a name, like a saint or something. No, Saint Pustinia. Man, I'm learning so much. Yeah. So are you? Uh, are these cabins up? They they have cabins up there where you stay. Yeah. So there's just two of them. No electricity. No running water. Very very simple. Just a cross in the middle. Little fireplace. Bed. Desk. Wow. Chair outside on the deck, which is super sweet. I just spend a lot of time chilling out there. And um, you pray and you fast on bread and water. And you're supposed to not read anything but the scriptures. Wow. I'm not there yet. I have <laughs> to bring a book to read. So, uh, and I go for, I've gone for 24 hours periods for the last three weeks. I'm trying to do this consistently because my every life, week, every week, baby. Wow. Because my life is so intense. So the last three weeks I've done it in the last two weeks I got there, slept 15 hours straight, <laughs> 15 hours. Rip Van Winkle. Dude. <laughs> Dang. That's a long time, man. Yeah, the first night I went to bed at uh, six thirty, woke up at nine thirty, <laughs> and then last night I uh, or last week on Sunday I went to bed at four thirty, because I just I it just go nonstop. Last week, I mean, if I was to recount my week, it's crazy. The life of the priest is insane, and that's why I'm always sick and tired and kind of angry. And uh, yeah, right. <coughs> as I cough, a dramatic cough. <sighs> Your life is so you hard. Black you get to lung sleep pop. For Fifteen hours. <laughs> Man, I only get to sleep 15 hours one day a week. Yeah. No, Are you really so, going to do this consistently? Like yes. Every yes, week. Yes. You doubt. I do. I have my doubts. <laughs> this is my new hobby. <laughs> this is good. No, I feel like Jesus has been calling me to this for a long time. Now, basically, the the way that Pustinia works is you have people called Pustinics who go into Pustinia who will do this, like at Madonna House, for example. Madonna House is a place where there's about... 100, 200 members of this kind of community. It's it's kind of like religious life, but it's a uh, lay state. So they're married people are there and different things. But they have full-time Pustinics. So they have people who live Pustinia full-time. Lucille Dupuy was at the Madonna House for a number of years, and she studied under the founder of Madonna House, a woman named Catherine DeHewitt Doherty. Yeah. Who wrote this little book in my hand called Pustinia. There you go. Catherine was a baroness. Uh, in the Russian world prior to the Russian Revolution. And when the revolution happened, her family was exiled and almost starved to death. Some of them tortured, but she escaped kind of through Finland into London. And at that point, she, she kind of committed herself to being Catholic. She was raised kind of Orthodox. Mm. Um, and then eventually made her way into the United States and um, founded Madonna House. And her whole purpose was to bring the spirituality, the Russian spirituality of Pustinia into the West, which is so active and so kind of fast-paced and so moving. And here we are in Estes Park where we've landed uh, a Pustinic herself. That's Lucille awesome. Dupuy. So she knew Catherine. And Catherine's like Latin right now. She's not Russian Orthodox, but yep. she just kind of has the Russian flavor. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So this, I mean, this goes back to the early church, the idea of silence and solitude and getting away into the desert. And, uh, um, but the Russians have had a very kind of uh, profound and interesting way that they've kind of carried that through the medieval world. Hmm. So. Water. Drink some water. Water. Joe says water like he's from Philly. That's right. What are you from Philly? Hey, Don. I want to get you a quote. This is amazing. Um, it seems strange to say, but what can help modern man find the answers to his own mystery and the mystery of him in whose image he is created is silence, solitude, in a word, the desert. Check this. Modern man needs these things more than the hermits of old. Huh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So the practice of Pustinia is to have a place of solitude and silence where you remove yourself from the world and go into the desert. 
It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense that we need it more too, because our life is like so much more fast paced. Exactly. Than any other time period, you know. And I think you and I, as priests, have to be very serious about this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. You're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, it's true. After I mean, you, you gotta, you have to guard. You gotta have to have walls in your life where you kind of keep things out, and you have time for silence and prayer. And I mean, if you don't, you just get swept away with everything. I just. I'm not appreciative, but I just see it. I already feel it, you know? Yeah. I'm in the parish for the summer, uh, and John knows this. Um, and uh, it's it's been a great experience, you know? Uh, but I even feel just the parish life. And it's a, it's a pretty big parish. It's maybe fat, more fast-paced than most places. But, um, but yeah, I, I sense that already. There's already the temptation to just kind of, like, let the essentials, the kind of big rocks in your life, like prayer, reading, whatever, kind of fall by the wayside because there's so many just practical needs that kind of pulls away from that so and we know we know a lot of good priests but i know very very few who live all of these things in balance who live their spiritual life so profoundly and deeply who have an active intellectual life who are radically pastoral usually you see guys who are one or the other right. guys who take care of themselves and exercise it's crazy it's crazy to try and hold these things together yeah. but we got to reform there's reform that needs to happen and all times of true reform are led into a deeper solitude, deeper time of contemplation. Mm. So we got to do this. Yeah. We have to do this. But listen to this. This is a thing for your brother, because your brother Paulie's listening right now, and he's saying to himself, Joe, hey, Joey, I can't I can't live this, or however you guys talk on the East <laughs> he's Coast. He's such a dork. <laughs> he doesn't talk like that, actually. How is he supposed to do this? He can't just leave uh, his kids and go into Bustinia, right? I don't Wrong. see why not. Wrong. You didn't let me answer. <laughs> Deserts, me. silence solitude are not necessarily places but states of mind and heart according to Catherine de Doherty. there you go so he just has to go into the you know his bedroom shut the door do keep something his, keep his screaming kids outside yep <laughs> <laughs> I said this image of him like uh, you, you oldest one you babysit the other other couple yeah right um, but there has to be a, a, a way of living this out there has to be a period of time every year where we are removed Right, I was talking to a focused missionary friend of mine. Has not a silent retreat in three years, and I was like, "That's a problem. That's a problem." Hmm. I don't care if you're a focused missionary; it's not just for priests. Everybody needs silence, and everybody needs solitude. You, we got to be doing it. I think that 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 whole aspect right there, though, is a radical break from how people think. Even yeah. good lay people who are faithful Catholic, but a silent retreat. I know very few lay people who have gone on a silent retreat as a marriage. I mean, they might go on a retreat. You know, they people when people think retreat. Uh, they don't think silent retreat, which right. is funny because in seminary, we kind of have this thing of like, you don't need to say silent retreat. Every retreat is silent. Like that's, that's how retreats are. But in, in the lay world that I came from, at least retreats, you know, you think like you staying up late doing, you know, adoration with a bunch of people, you play weird icebreaker games right, or, right, you know, right. like you, you do stuff with the people you're on your street with. But, uh, the idea of a silent retreat is kind of like a novelty, I think for most people. Right. And, um, it's just it's just something that just nourishes the heart in a very profound way. I was looking at the book here as you were speaking. Catherine says there's a distinction between prayer and solitude. Everyone's called to a life of prayer. So the Pustinia, the life of Pustinia, if you're going to kind of live this out in the spirituality, it's going to be daily time of silence and prayer. But the life of solitude is going to look radically different. The question is, as consecrated men in priesthood, what does solitude look like for us? That's the question. That's the question. It was never really posed to us directly, you know, hmm. in, because I don't think people really know that priestly identity is in such kind of a chaotic state right now. Yeah, We're trying is. to reclaim it. But I think that there's something essential to when you're consecrated, you live a life of solitude in a different way. You have to. Not loneliness, not isolation. Those are different. 
but solitude with Christ. But the person who's in the married state does not does not live the life of solitude, but they need that time at least a couple days every year. Of uh, you're saying every year, so you know, what about like a rhythm of life, a rhythm of silence? and then a rhythm of of silence, but not of solitude. So what I'm saying, what's is the difference? Polly shouldn't be going off to a hermitage one day a week, right? Of course, I think we should be considering doing that, but Polly should have a time of silence, absolute silence and stillness, uh, in, built into his daily life. Hmm. Yeah, and he, and he might be doing that. I don't know why Paul's our example. I, I know Paul. I have, we, no we threw... your, I have no idea what your prayer is like. It's just the first one that comes to mind. That's right. I'm sure Martin's living it because you know Martin's amazing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not to divide the brothers. The uh, it's uh, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Just laugh it out. Oh, that's awesome. But there's there's something about how do I say this? Like when I talk to people about prayer, it's like okay, I got to do one more thing. Father John, he's already making us go to mass on Sundays. Now we got to do prayer. We got to say the rosary. To some. It's like no, yeah. the kind of prayer we're talking about here is the silence and the solitude of the heart. Okay, silence contemplation. Well, what's the point rest. though? Why? Give people a reason. Why Why is this so valuable that I need to block out time in my life and my schedule for just have to have nothing, to have emptiness, to have silence, you know? How about I let, how about I let Catherine speak for me? Give it to me, Catherine. Stand still and allow the strange, deadly restlessness of our tragic age to fall away like a worn out, dusty cloak that is a cloak that was once considered beautiful. Bam! I didn't understand what that. All right, that didn't said. actually tie into the question. But the bottom line is this: <laughs> we're moving at a fast pace, and we're doing all kinds of insane things to each other because right. we don't even know what's happening. Like seriously, we're not even thinking. We're not living recollected lives, and I think we're not really living human life when we're moving at this fast of a pace. I think we're approaching because of technology. We feel like our life is more advanced, but we are approaching, returning to a very kind of animal existence and we just move through life and boom, boom 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 instead of authentic living which means a life of contemplation we're made for higher things oh uh, yeah i think that's what it is i mean i was talking to a i've told you about this uh yoda priest down in uh new mexico that i met no he definitely doesn't listen to podcasts i don't think he has electricity in his house but um awesome. josh Mayer, one of my friends in seminary and i we went down for spring break to new mexico and i met this priest who's a retired guy from arizona and uh, Josh calls him his Yoda priest because he's out like in the middle of nowhere. This he's retired this little cabin, and he just gives Josh advice about like the priesthood, and it's beautiful. But um, he was talking about we were asking him like, well, how do you how do you live? You know, give you have any advice for us? And we talked for like four hours. It was beautiful about just about just about the priesthood and you know pastoral life and prayer, all these things. Uh, but he he was telling us about his life of prayer and what he does, and he gave the reason for all his prayer. He's like, I just pray this much just so I can see clearly. Yeah. So I can see things clearly. I literally think that is the case. And I really think that, I mean, our souls are made in such a way that they're, they're made to perceive, to perceive beauty, to perceive, to wonder. I mean, that's kind of the fundamental stance of the philosopher, of the uh, the spiritual man, um, and really just of a human being. Our, our fundamental stance to creation is just wonder. Right. You know, and that's kind of the beginning. If we don't have that, then we're just, we're, we're just missing something big time. Um, and I think that, if you don't have times of silence, uh, times where you're kind of blocking out, you're making, I, I love the analogy of a garden. You know, a garden is something you, you put walls up to kind of keep, I love our garden in our backyard of the companion's house because we have this house that's downtown. You know, it's like four blocks from the uh, cathedral, eight blocks from the Capitol, right in the center of the city. Um, but in our backyard, we have a little fenced in area and we have these beautiful flowers that friends of ours help us plant and stuff and take care of. And I love it because it's this little 
retreat center in the middle of this craziness of the city. Yeah. And I think that's a, kind of an analogy for me of the life of prayer. Like prayer is you have to put up walls in your life to have prayer. You know, you got to have to black out time in your schedule, black out time in your life to say this time. And gardens are funny like that because gardens are kind of like useless. Yeah. I mean, you're, if you're thinking utilitarian right, and practical right. ends, like this is a waste of space. Like right. what's it for? Right. It's for planting stuff that you just like just look looks at. Pretty, yeah. It looks pretty, but what, what's the purpose of it? Right. And it's kind of freeing and liberating to say there is no, it's not serving in any end other than just to be there right. and to enjoy. And that's kind of how prayer is. It's right. not supposed to be useful. That's the worst way to look at prayer. Like, well, do I, what do I get out of this? Or how is this useful for me? Right. And the whole point is that, no, it's you're liberating this time from any end in itself. Right. But it's time just to be and to be who you are and just to be before creation, be before your creator. Right. Um, and I think you, you tap something very deep when you have a garden in your schedule that's set aside for not something practical, but something uh, that's just to kind of perceive beauty and to perceive goodness and to look at it and say, this is good and to give thanks to God. I mean, that's if you're not touching that regularly in your life, you're just you're not touching something that's deeply human, you know? Absolutely. And, you, and it helps you to see things clearly, it helps you to see with an eternal perspective. So. And that's always secondarily, though, what it does for you. Yeah. I think the most interesting thing is when uh, you get to a point in your prayer life where you say, I actually control my relationship with God by telling him how I'm going to pray. Yeah. That's what that's the crazy experience of Pustinia has been, is that um, you, you lose control of your relationship with God when you, when you live a life of contemplation. Hmm. When you all of a sudden say, yeah, I'm not going to just give you this amount of time and I'm not going to give you this thing or this form. It's like Balthazar has this thing. I'm sure I've talked about it before. The last chapter of the greatest book ever, which is Heart of the World. <laughs> <laughs> he has this image where he says, uh, the name of the chapter is Love a Wilderness. Love, quote, or dash, a wilderness. And he says, as you're stepping into the wilderness of God's love, you're you're hiking on a trail that gets, as you go, um, it gets vaguer and vaguer. It's harder to follow. It, it, it becomes more and more unclear. And as you go further and further deeper in, you start to see that the people who have gone before you have left their devices for navigation, all their gear on the sides of the trail, that the further you go, paradoxically, the harder it is to navigate. But likewise, it's the necessity of leaving the gear uh, follows as well. And uh, it's really a profound image of stepping into the life of Christ he has another line where he says that we always think that when God becomes incarnate, he makes himself known and he removes our ignorance. But because of the nature of God, he's actually far, far uh, more, um, you know, transcendent, so to speak. Right. Uh, unknown once he makes himself incarnate. God's more mysterious because of the incarnation of Jesus. Our ignorance is not just gone. Hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is that yeah. with your prayer life and with mine and with anyone listening to this, it's a matter of time, if you're serious about it, before Jesus starts to say, okay, now start giving me the forms by which you control our relationship hmm. and really watch uh, you step into the, the, the bright darkness, as Dionysius calls it. Hmm. That's what the life with Christ really is. Um, and I don't mean to get into a homily here, but, but that's what happens uh, when, we, when we get serious about this, about contemplative prayer. We lose control even of our relationship with God, and in that we find that we're given everything. Hmm. So there you go. There you go. Put you to sleep. So wait, what's <coughs> Pustinia? I still don't even, it's, a, desert. it's a desert. Is that the it? desert. Now, 
practically the the practice of pustinia lived as a spirituality you need to get the book to do this but what they encourage that's is why the, they listen to the podcast so they don't have to get the book man but people should be discerning they should be discerning um what to what extent silence and solitude should be present in my life hmm. the one answer would be it should be in there more for everybody but according to our state in life we really need to be honest about that so many people deal with prayer as um trying to get an answer to their vocation but if you had solitude and silence in a really profound and radical way, it would look very different, very, very different. And I think we're afraid to do it. We're afraid because we think we're going to be lonely. We think that solitude is the absence of relationship. relationship, and it's not. It's, in fact, freedom for an experience of the Trinitarian relationship. We think silence is the absence of noise or the absence of sound, and it's not. It's actually the freedom to hear the God's word spoken, mm. and it's real. And it's real. So what it, what was the point of this podcast is that there's a Russian spiritual tradition called Pustinia, which is focused in the Jesus prayer, which we didn't even talk about, um, but which is a short meditative prayer, Jesus Christ and the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It becomes kind of part of your breathing. And the practice of Pustinia is centered around the Jesus prayer and the meditation of the scriptures. But it's in solitude and silence. And the big kicker is fasting as well. We don't think fasting is that important. We mm-hmm. don't like doing it. I hate doing it, frankly. Uh, it changes everything. I hate fasting. Fast on bread and water. Read only the scriptures. Silence and solitude, whatever that looks like according to your state in life. Uh, and with the practice of the Jesus Prayer. And that is it. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And see any more week. thoughts, suggestions, insults, comments, whatever, we will take them. Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. 